Alright, folks. Welcome on back now to the newest episode to this date. Um, mostly ghostly with myself, Macho, and over here with Ray with us. I would say Ray's returning, but he's not quite, he's such a professional, he never loses a step, you know what I mean? So even when he was away from the state, he was still doing the show, so we applaud that. We thank you very much. Uh, from my, the bottom of my heart and the fans' hearts, Ray, we thank you for your dedication. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. The state of Massachusetts um, is very happy in Rhode Island. In all the surrounding areas, are very happy to have you back. I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe some people in there. You didn't see the parade? We had a parade and everything. No, I didn't see the parade. Oh, well. It, you know, it's one of those things. For all the way from here to West Virginia, they were uh, they were talking about it. It was all over the newspapers and, and news and articles and all types of stuff. Everybody's Facebook was blowing up. The biggest thing since uh, the Mothman, you know what I mean? That's what I've been hearing. Well, that, that, that puts me in some very special company. Yeah, that does. That does. That makes today's episode even more special, too, I think. I think that definitely adds a whole new element to it. Um, and with that being said, uh, we're going to talk about the Mothman in today's episode for anybody that didn't read the actual headline. It's funny that we almost tease like people don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's literally the headline that they click on before they hear us talk. So it'd be, it's kind of naive for us to, or for me to think this, at least. Ray would never think such things. Um, now, yeah, the Mothman, that's like one of those big, gigantic, you know, uh, folklore urban legendy, you know, creatures of the night. Uh, that you, One of those big ones you hear about. Um, not, almost not quite as big as Bigfoot, but it's, it holds its own weight, you know what I mean? Um, a real quick, for anybody out there that isn't really kind of hip, we're going to get deeper, but just on the surface... <coughs> Um, it's a West Virginian folklore. The Mothman <clears throat> is a creature reportedly seen in the Point Pleasant area from uh, November 15th, 1966 to December 15th of 1967. The first newspaper report was published in the Point Pleasant Registry, or the Register rather, dated November 16th, 1966, titled Couple See Man-Sized Bird Creature Something? Um, national press soon picked up the reports and helped spread the story across the United States. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? It's one of those things, a man-sized bird or a creature or something. Um, you know, that's, that's some interesting stuff. You know, it was, uh, it was introduced to a wider audience, of course, by, uh, you know, by Gary uh, Gray Barker in 1970. Uh, and he was later popularized by John Keel in his 1975 book, The Mothman Prophecies, which later got a film starring Richard Gere. Um, at first, I thought the, uh, they were talking about the book when they brought up Gray Barker, but that John Keel was the, was the author. Um, but, you know, the, the Mothman Prophecies, you know, claimed that there were supernatural events related to the sightings and a connection to the collapse of the Silver Bridge um, the book was later adopted into the 2002 film, um, The Mothman Prophecies. Um, the Silver Bridge was an, an Ibar chain suspension bridge built in 1928 and named for the color of its aluminum paint. 
the bridge carried U.S. Route 35 over the Ohio River. You know what I mean? Where Ray, did you encounter the Ohio River when you were over there? Over in Ohio? Um, not, not me. Connecting Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and Galapios, Ohio. So, uh, you know, I thought that this was made a little earlier than 2002, but I, I you know, 2002 so far away now that it is what it is. Uh, they got an annual festival devoted to the Mothman legacy um, and the legend. What do you think of that? You think that, the, that them doing a festival kind of keeps that, of course, it keeps it on people's tongues, but you think in minds, but you think it also keeps, if there is a presence out there, you think it, it would thrive off that energy, right? It would, but then again, it might just kind of lay low and kind of laugh at people. Well, hopefully. We could all, we can only hope. We can only hope he has a good sense of humor. Now, you know, over in our, my neck of the woods, over in the South Shore, we have a thing, a folklore legend called the Predator um, that's over the surrounding towns. And that's kind of like a big bird, pterodactyl, they say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridgewater Triangle stuff. Definitely some Bridgewater Triangle stuff. Um, but the Predator. Yeah. What's your take on uh, these big birds? I mean, it's almost kind of easy to wrap your head around the idea of, you know, maybe a pterodactyl. Because if, you know, the if a comet was to kill kill everything off, you know, the only thing that would have a chance of survival would be things within the ocean, maybe. Um, deep, deep in things in the sky. You know what I mean? Which would be like a pterodactyl uh, or something like that. that could, but it would have to have somewhere to land or boy, his wings tired, my friend, from flying up there that long until everything passed. Um, but, yeah, what's your take on that, the whole the crypto aspect of this, Ray? What, that it could just be a, an ancient bird or even a pterodactyl, if you will, going back that far, that um, is this thing. Because it's not, I don't think it's crazy that a, the birds were that big back in the day or even still today in, in, in rainforests and, you know, Amazons. I think, uh, is it possible you take a rainforest, you take a mountainous area like the Rockies or Alaska, uh, you take the depths of the ocean. Yeah, there's some things down there, possibly out there, that uh, we've never seen. They could be leftovers from a former time or mutations that uh, developed and adapted to the world we live in now. Yeah, the mutation element's always there, too, all the toxic waste and pollution we have. That It's not like... It's not crazy that a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle effect could almost happen where, you know, uh, the, these, these birds or whatever you will get into some, some weird ooze, uh, get into the secret of the ooze and figure out the, the hidden magic and become bigger. You know what I mean? That's possible as well as just the fact that they're this bigger bird. I mean, if you had a bigger bird from a different climate um, that was a monstrous bird, let's say, you know, and it, it could probably make that flight like over the ocean probably wouldn't be that horrific. You know what I mean? You have all these things about all these ghost boats they find too. imagine if a ghost boat was because these giant birds, they needed some a little resting point halfway that they stopped in for a quick bite and a rest, some B and B, you know what I mean? And ate these people up, rested for a little bit, and then took off and did the rest of their flight and left the boat afloat. You know what I mean? Um, I, people like to theorize and, uh, you know, horrifyingly speculate that some sea creature kind of came out of the mist and ate them up. But they, you know, they don't really think of maybe something from the sky coming and getting them and, you know, moving on. But it's very interesting, I think, with, with things like that where because the crypto thing is one of the most almost believable 
side of the supernatural, if you will. I believe in it all, but like from an outsider standpoint, the fact that there could be some creature that was able to kind of stay hidden and survive and staying hidden would be key to the survival. You know what I mean? So like it's key, killing two birds with one stone right there. It's like you're surviving is the difficult part and not being seen is a difficult part, but not being seen is the main part of survival. So it's, you know what I mean? It's the same deal, but yeah, if you start to talk about mutations, um, if you get a limited gene pool for these birds, they will mutate or anything will. And where it goes at that point, we don't know. As far as not being seen, some people might say, oh, uh, how come we're suddenly seeing it now and people didn't see it 200 years ago? Well, we didn't have the number of cities, the people, the highway. We didn't have everything that we have now. The technology to see it. The technology, the population, everything, so that as we infringe on their uh, territory, we're going to see them more. Yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, the, 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 I think the, the, hidden, the, the hidden survival element is very big, too, because uh, they would be if they were more well-known. I think they, if you watch the way the people treat certain things and say, each other sometimes, you know what I mean? It's the same thing, the argument of why the alien, why don't we have alien contact more direct, straight on, just coming? It's like, well, you know, they we're not kind of the, the friendliest of, like, species you know what i mean so they might not want to uh, they could almost look at humanity could infect them you know what i mean you, you you start to intertwine with the humans a little too much and the humans do have cool cool aspects to them that they might try and want to mirror you know what i mean and then now you have like degenerate fucking aliens and you don't want that you know what i mean it's the same well, thing with all... these crypto things yeah yeah it could also be if you're talking about the aliens it's like they're waiting for us to grow up because they know we can't handle it I, you know, and who's to say that these these crypto species don't have that same mentality? And who's to say they're not more intelligent than a humane than a humane person? You know what I mean? Well, we always assume that they're not. And considering the, some of the stuff that is going on in the world, uh, not only now but in the past, I think that maybe they're a little bit more intelligent for not doing that. That's what they say. You know, you know they. Being hidden is, is probably the smartest thing they could do, realistically. It's not letting us know about them. Then they'd have to start paying taxes and do the whole deal. They don't want to do that. I don't believe them. That's enough to stay away as is. We try. When, we, when, I, when, when humans give up with society and go live on the streets, that's the closest they can get to being Mothman. You know what I mean? All right. So let's get into the history of the Mothman. Um, a little deeper. We let it dive a little deeper. You know what I mean? Um, On November 15th, 1966, two young couples from Point Pleasant, Roger and Linda Scareberry, which Scareberry already sounds fake, horrifyingly fake, and Steve and Mary Millette. That's more casual, more normal. Uh, They told police they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlights picked it up. The the red eye thing, what do you, do you think that's a, Seeing the so they can see in the night type thing. You think that's just something people automatically jump to because it's the greatest sign of evil? You know what I mean? What the movies have shown us. What do you think? Well, the red eyes. There are a lot of animals. Their whole lens structure in the eye is different. And if you've ever been out at night with a flashlight or driving and stuff, and you come across it, 
an animal, you notice that their eyes will glow the way they reflect. Uh, some are reddish in color. So that's not that unusual, at least not in the animal kingdom. Yeah, there's a lot of like the glow, the glowing yellow. There's yellow glow, red glow. Uh, so you think that's kind of got to do with just how they have, they're surviving at night? Uh, yeah, it would, it would probably indicate that they have some sort of night vision. Right. Uh, and uh, they can see well, so it reflects back a certain part of the spectrum when you put a light on it. I feel like if we, if humans lived mainly at night, we would have, we would have better eyesight in the dark as well. You know what I mean? It just would happen eventually. Oh yeah, we ran, we ran from the darkness from the night instead of embracing it. Hell yeah, I was. That's that's the, our follow up heavy metal album. We're we're putting out our second fake heavy metal album this year, Ray. The first one was. Uh, when Death Consumes, that was from the first season. That was a great album. The fans really love that album. Um, they described it as a large flying man with 10-foot wings following their ca- car while they were driving in an area outside of town known as the TNT area, um, the site of the uh, former World War II munitions plant. Um, what's your take on large flying man with 10-foot wings? Now, I automatically think of an angel. Does that pop into your head at all? Well, you can think of an angel. You can think of a demon. Uh, hmm. There's a lot of possibilities out there. It's at night. It's got red eyes, so you're automatically putting that evil on top of it. Angels to some, demons to others. Um, the TNT area is uh, the Clinton F. McClintic Wildlife Management Area. Um, so that's their big deal. Um, during the next few days, other people reported similar sightings. Two volunteer firemen who saw it said it was a large bird with red eyes. I mean, their stories are lining up. Mason County Sheriff George Johnson commented that he believed the sightings were due to an unusually large heron um, that was that he termed a shitpoke. I don't know what that's all about. Um, Heron, the bird, the hen, Heron, not Heron, not what the kids are all using these days, but the bird, the long-legged, long-necked, freshwater, coastal bird, you know what I mean? And the family of the Ardridae, you know what I mean? I know my stuff. Um, Contractor Newell Patridge told Johnson that when he aimed the flashlight at the creature in a nearby field, its eyes glowed like bicycle reflectors, which, yeah, I agree with Ray. He said that earlier, and you do get that effect with some animals. And he, he blamed buzzing noises from the, his television set and the disappearance of his German shepherd dog on the creature. Um, to the good old, which ones, which ones was he more affected by, losing cable or losing the dog? What do you think, Ray? I'd say the dog. I'd hope so, yeah. As far as that heron thing goes, uh, you have one standing there, and it does not have the shape of a man at all. The neck's too long, the legs are too skinny. Even when it's flying, it looks very, very different. I've seen them. If If you see the silhouette in the dark... Of a hair, if one, if one of them moving around, you would be horrified, not knowing what that is. You know what I mean? Uh, I, really? I might, I might be spooked by it and stuff like that, but I'm not going to say it's a man with wings. Oh no, no, I don't think. Yeah, no, by by, by I'd think it was more of an alien or more of some weird uh, insect creature that was overgrown. 
It has very thin and thick parts to it, which is always creepy when it goes from back and forth and such like that. I always think that's very vibe, very creepy vibe when it has the slender look, but like can still look vicious and dangerous. Um, it means it's a finely tuned killing machine in my mind. That's what that means. Wildlife biologist Robert L. Smith at the West Virginia University told reporters the descriptions and sightings all fit the Sandhill Crane. A large American crane almost as high as a man with a seven-foot wingspan featuring circles of reddish coloring around the eye. The bird may have wandered out of its migration route and therefore was unrecognized at first because it was not native to its region. Yeah, that could, I mean, that could be it too. You know what I mean? Those birds, those birds, you know, if they said it could be the size of a man with a big wingspan, then yeah, that, that probably could be what it is because you're not, you see something weird like that, you know, as soon as you realize it ain't a human, then your imagination's going to what it could be. You know what I mean? And it ain't going to the common sense things that it could be. It's going to the devil on vacation. You know what I mean? He just popped up for a trip and uh, one of those deals. But uh, due to the popularity of the Batman TV series at the time, the fictional hero uh, Batman in his rogue gallery, uh, were prominently featured in the public eye. While the villain, Killer Moth, did not appear in the show, the comic book influence of both him and Batman is believed to have some type of influence uh, to the coinage of the name Mothman in the newspapers. So that's kind of where the name comes from. Because, like, yeah, it's more like it's a bird, but they're a moth. And I could definitely see, you know, the media spinning that because you know that's what everybody knows they're hip to batman so they go hey we'll call it the mothman that's a cool name killer moth maybe there's a comic book fan working there you know um but for sure following the december 15 1967 collapse of the silver bridge um which the silver bridge we talked about before um and it caused the death of 46 people i remember that because they said this speculated, the incident gave rise to the legend and connected the Mothman sighting to the bridge collapse. Because I remember hearing that too. And I believe in the film, there's like weird pictures where supposedly you see the Mothman like perched up on the bridge, like weird stuff. Now, I guess that would, it'd be more of a, just a bad aura that he brought. Not so much. I don't think he would be the one trying to bring the bridge down. What's your take? Um, I think that, What's associated with them is if you see the Mothman, something bad's going to happen. I know there are, I've seen pictures on the web of a Mothman like figure around or, or leaping off that bridge uh, back around the time that it collapsed. It's also been seen uh, at Chernobyl and it's been seen in, in a variety of different places around the world just before some disasters happened. Yeah, there was uh, the Russian apartment bombings in 1999. They said that they've seen them right before that, too. And uh, in 2016, you know what I think you were talking, uh, published a photo reported to be of the Mothman taken by anonymous man while driving Route 2 uh, in Mason County. Um, science writer Sharon A. Hill proposed that the photo showed a bird, perhaps an owl, carrying a frog or snake away. And wrote that there is zero reason to, to suspect it to be the Mothman as described in the legend. Um, there are far too many more reasonable explanations. Yeah, it's weird. I think that 
Yeah, it's it's a weird um, it's a weird little vibe. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of I think there's a bunch of different things at play here. Of people wanting to believe something and and, pe- and then stemming from maybe a bird or something that somebody's seen that was big that shouldn't have been there for sure. You also got to keep in mind this could be just towny people having fun. You know what I mean? That happens a lot too. Um, um, I I disagree okay. with the with the bird thing in that um. Where I live, like right now, I'm sitting out back and I'm looking towards a wooded area. Yeah. And around here, there are some huge nests in some of the trees. We have hawks. There's one eagle in the area. And we have a crane that flies through now and then. When that crane lands, there's no way, it may not be as big as the type down there, but there's no way I could mistake that for a person, light or dark. Hmm. Not with those legs, with that neck. No, that does not have a human form whatsoever. So if they, if you're looking at that human-like shape, then uh, you're also talking, if I remember correctly, six and a half, seven feet tall, 10-foot wingspan. And when it flies, it doesn't flap the wings. Then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm saying, no, that's, I'm taking it out of the bird category. And I'm saying there's something there besides the bird. Yeah, what are you thinking? A supernatural thing? Like a... What are you thinking? Uh, possible supernatural. I know that whenever anybody who, unfortunately, it's the same thing, let's say, with the ghost hunters, uh, you have those that will call anything a ghost and those that will say nothing is. Mm. It's the same thing. There was a show uh, I've watched several episodes of where uh, they look at unexplained and the scientists they bring on trying to come up with sometimes, not always, but sometimes really ridiculous explanations because they won't leave it that it's a mystery or that it could be anything else. Uh, a classic one uh, comes to mind is they were in Bermuda and they were looking at all of the old, uh, all the shipwrecks around there, et cetera. And some people say that uh, people were saying, oh, it's a type of rock. It gives off a magnetic field. And in the older ships, it used to affect the, the type of compass they had on them and planes, et cetera, et cetera. And one scientist shows up and they went out on, a, on an outcrop of rocks and he took a compass out of his pocket, which was working. Then he picked up a rock and held it next to the compass, and the compass wasn't working right. And he said that, that you know, it's, it's the rocks. It's not supernatural. Well, if it's the whole island is that strong, and it's that type of stone or rock, and it's strong enough to take a plane out of the sky or have a boat crash into a reef, then if it's just the rocks, that compass should have never worked in the first place. You're standing on an island made of that rock. So that was kind of like, uh, why is it even working? If you're saying the whole island can uh, disrupt the plane in the air and uh, a boat out at sea. That, that compass should, should have never have worked to begin with. Right. So they will reach, they will reach for it just as like uh, every single little sound is a ghost for some people. Um, to some scientists, every thing that can't be explained, they will go to any length to try and explain it. Any. Oh, it has to be a bird. No, that, that picture's fake. No, it's like, look into it differently. Look into it with an open mind. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. The, um, it's definitely, you know, one of those things. To go into that, that bridge thing, which is interesting, because a lot of people died there. Uh, the bridge failure was due to de- a defect in the single link. In a single link, I-bar 330, 
on the north of Ohio subsidiary chain. The first link below the top of the Ohio Tower. A small crack was formed through fretting weir at the bearing, and it grew through uh, internal corrosion, a problem known as stress corrosion cracking. The crack was only about uh, 0.1 inches deep when it went critical, and it broke in a brittle fashion. Growth of the crack was probably exaggerated, exuberated by residual stress in the I-bar created during manufacture. When the lower side of the I-bar failed, all the load was transferred to the other side of the I-bar, which then failed to uh, dictile the the overload. The joint was then held together only by three I-bars and another slipped off the pin at the center of the bearing, so the chain was completely severed. A collapse of the entire structure was inevitable since all the parts of the suspension bridge are in equilibrium with one another. Witnesses afterward estimated that it took only about a minute for the whole bridge to fall. The damage to the link would have been difficult to see during inspection of the bridge. Interesting. Um, big, you know, it was a big thing. A lot of people died. You know what I mean? Some horrific well, I, stuff. I, I can see that being a problem with the manufacturer of the bridge. Uh, Mothman showing up. You got to remember that collapse happened a while after the legend had already taken place. Right. And it had spread everywhere. And Mothman was a harbinger, uh, a bringer of doom, etc. So you go a little bit outside of, you go next to where the legend started. It's already big. It's in the papers. It's starting to spread and the bridge goes down. Then, yeah, it's easy to put Mothman there at the bridge when the bridge uh, had a structural problem and collapsed. Yeah, it's true. We got a couple analysis on this and then we'll hop into some of some, uh, some victims of the situation. Um, folklorist Jan Harold Brunvan <clears throat> notes that the Mothman has been widely covered in the popular press, some claiming sightings connected to UFOs and other claiming that a military storage site was Mothman's home. Brunvin notes that recounting uh, of the 1966 through 67 Mothman reports usually state that at least 100 people saw Mothman with many more afraid to report their sightings but observed that written sources with such stories consisted of children's books or sensationalized or undocumented accounts that failed to quote identifiable persons. Brunvin found elements in common uh, among many Mothman reports and much older folktales, suggesting that uh, something real may have triggered the scares and became woven with existing folklore. He also records... Uh, antidote tales of Mothman supposedly attacking the roofs of parked cars occupied by teenagers, which is very urban legend, you know. Conversely, Joe Nickel says that a number of Joe Nickel, your boy over there, uh, he's a big uh, paranormal investigator and skeptic, um, says that a number of the hoaxes followed the public publicity generated by the original report, such as a group of construction uh, construction workers who tied flashlights to helium balloons. Um, Nickel uh, attributes the Mothman stories to sightings of barn owls, suggesting that Mothman's glowing eyes were actually red uh, uh, red eye effect caused by the reflection of the light from flashlights or other bright light sources. Benjamin Radford. Uh, points out that the only report of glowing red eyes was secondhand. 
that of Shirley Hensley, who was quoting her father. Uh, Benjamin Radford's another skeptic, paranormal guy. According to University of Chicago psychologist David A. Gallo, 55, says the sightings of Mothman in Chicago during 2017, uh, published on the website of the self-described fortune teller, uh, Lon Strickler, are a selective sample because... Gallo explains that he's not sampling random people and asking if they saw the Mothman. He's just counting the number of people that voluntarily came forward to report a sighting. According to Gallo, people more likely to visit a paranormal-centric website like Stickler's might also be more inclined to believe and therefore witness the existence of a Mothman, which is true, is a true statement. Uh, if you're already open up to that idea, I think people that are open up to that idea, uh, as well as being open, also want to see things. Um, but I'm not saying things aren't there. You know, I'm just saying they're, they're more they're more in route to t- t- uh, taking that tr- trip with you. You know what I mean? Um, seven uh, pseudo science adherents, such as ufologists, paranormal authors, and cryptozoologists, claim that Mothman was an alien a supernatural manifestation or previously known species, unknown species of animal in this 1975, in his 1975 book, the Mothman prophecies author, John Keel claimed that the point pleasant residents experienced uh, pre including precognations, including premonitions of the collapse of the silver bridge, unidentifying flying object sightings, Visits from inhuman or threatening men in black and other phenomena. You know what I mean? I think all that stuff would kind of be fitting within within what was going on, supposedly. You know, one of those things. That'd be my take on it. You know, I uh, before we pop into these uh, these this death death list going over here, um, we'll. Uh, you want to give a rundown of what what we think it might, what our opinions could be, or we'll say we'll save it for the end. So what we'll do is, uh, we'll, well, yeah. Well, one th- one thing is that I can agree that you know once something pops up like that, then uh, you have pranksters that are going to try and exploit it and scare people and have fun with it. I'll agree with that. You also have a, a certain amount of mass hysteria, the people that are going to see it because it's suggested. Yeah. It's there. They go looking for it, wanting to see it. And if they do see something like a barn owl, they, barn owl, they automatically assume that's it. Right. You're going to have a certain amount of those people there. But also, I believe that uh, some of the town people uh, actually did see uh, lights similar to uh, what you would call UFO in the town. Also, it was reported in the town by a variety of different people that you had the men in black or mysterious figures coming in there and going into the area where it had been sighted after the lights were seen. Yeah. So there's more than one thing going on there, and it makes me wonder why at an ex-military site would you have the Mothman sightings, the lights in the sky, and then the government or men in black people showing up for a while to try and check out what's going on. Yeah, that's definitely suspicious. It's, I definitely would. I definitely wouldn't put it past the government testing to release something that they created or they, they, uh, they made contact with through a different dimension and brought over. You know what I mean? And then lose track of it or escaping, and them trying to find it or figure out what the story is. You know what I mean? 
Well, the uh, the site was a uh, World War Two. Uh, they call it TNT. It's a weapon. It was a weapon storage site. Yeah, they could they could have been doing the experiments about trying to develop weapons, including biological ones, and who knows what went wrong or mutated there. That's true. That's very true. You know, when when it kind of brought up the owl thing with him, I've often, um, I've often you, you know people say the owl face and an alien face are a lot alike. You know what I mean? So people say that a lot of the when they when they thought they seen an alien in a window, that they think it was an owl pot perched up. Now that just could be hearsay to bring people off the path, but I have seen, you know, anybody who's seen an owl face, they definitely have that kind of otherworldly uh, alien-like look to them. You know, the Scareberries, you know, um, they said that it was up over seven feet tall. The man was over seven feet tall with a gigantic 10-foot wing spread. And they also said that it chased after them in their car up upwards of 100 miles an hour, they said, which... Is a problem, you know, that's something you don't want to deal with right there. Um, but it makes sense, you know, it makes sense that they would dabble. It even makes sense that if you had ultimate resources of money that you would want to try and dabble. Like if you were a multi-cabillionaire, you'd want to have a little baby dinosaur, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to try and figure that out? Of course. You know what I mean? What do you mean would want to? Exactly. Exactly. Ray's got a few dinosaurs over there. Besides <laughs> my, besides myself, when he got uh, when he got his mostly ghostly advancement on season two, he went out and bought a couple dinosaurs. It was <laughs> well, you know, when, when when you know those uh, secret geneticists and other people there and the uh, evil scientists, you can get almost anything you want for a price. Believe that anything, unfortunately, yeah. Um, you know, there, yeah, you know, many, many people came forward to talk about it, uh, and many, many more probably kept quiet. Um, you know, there's people, the Mothman, Moth there would be many changes in the lives of people that would see this, you know, and some of them would even commit suicide later in life, uh, which is horrifying. You know what I mean? Researchers of the phenomenon have various theories concerning the large-winged monster that haunts the, the marshy area near the McClinic Wildlife Sanctuary and the abandoned TNT plant north of Point Pleasant. Some say that excited, suggestible witnesses are simply sighting sandhill cranes. You know what I mean? Uh, like we talked about before. But, you know, other they, they, they got the, the, the chemical testing. You know, that's one. Uh, that's definitely something that could be taken for. And then the crypto, of course, you know what I mean? Um, you know, cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, author of Mothman and the Other Curious Encounters in 2002, has been keeping a tab of the deaths that appear to be associated with the entity. Coleman lists uh, the demises of 85 men and women who had some association with Mothman from the 1960s to the present day. As with all of the body counts or death lists, um, you know what I mean? We add the disclaimer. Uh, on the show that uh, many of the individuals that we find on these lists, they may have been elderly, ill, killed in the line of duty, met their demise at accidental, totally, you know, devoid of, you know, weird, weird, uh, questionable deaths. You know what I mean? So we always say, as we roll through this list, folks, you know, you're going to hear some things and you might go, yeah, you know, that could have just been old age or whatever. You know, they were having issues here and they're in the family life. So they did it or whatever. 
Um, and we're not saying that, no, that's not impossible. Our list, when we ever throw down lists on our page, we're mainly just kind of running through the evidence given, and then we can, you can make up your mind as we make up our mind, you know what I mean? It's uh, one of those things. But I guess, you know, some of the deaths are always, there are always some suspicious deaths when we roll through these lists. So with that being said, let's, um, let's pop off into some of the mysterious deaths and such that is circulated around the old Mothman. I mean, all right, first up, um, the Silver Bridge victims. We'll, we already know a little bit about them, so we'll kick them off right off the bat. Uh, that was Coleman's first 46 victims were those unfortunate killed when the, at 5.04 p.m. on December 15, 1967. The bridge at Point Pleasant collapsed during rush hour. 46 lives were lost and 44 bodies recovered. Two bodies never found. What do you think of that? Uh, bridge, heavy metal, collapsing into a river, never found. Makes sense to me. True, 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 true. Um, all right. You know, now we kick into some singulary people. Direct. First up, Mary Heyer. Heyer was the Point Pleasant correspondent for the Athens, Ohio newspaper, The Messenger. Uh, she became a friend of John A. Keel, who later assisted him in his investigations. The first sighting reported by Hire occurred when the Scareberries and Mallette saw Mothman on November 15, 1966. Exactly 13 months later, the Silver Bridge collapsed. 26 months later, on February 15, 1970, Hire died at the age of 54 after a four-week illness. Now... I know that they do speculate that if somebody wants you to be gonzo, if the right person does it, they could they could put something within you that can take you quicker. Nowadays, I'm sure, you know, within... Nowadays, I bet you could get a phone call and you could hear some weird beep on the other line and then, you know, five minutes later, you're no longer alive. Um, but back in the in the 70s, this is probably, this is where, where they, they, they'd probably pop, run up on you and give you the puncture, put something in your food, pop you... You know, medication that you're on, they can dabble a little bit in something like that. Because who's to, even though it happened later, uh, a little bit later, who's to say she wasn't working on something that was still, you know, going to try and ruffle some feathers, no pun intended, um, with this. What do you think about her? Well, there's a possibility uh, she had gone too long saying too much, digging too deep, and they wanted her silent. The other thing is if she was investigating, particularly around the old government site and helping with this book, she may have exposed herself to something which was toxic and uh, made her sick and, and died. So that can go either way. I also feel people that feel they're being lied to all the time and don't really see a purpose in the future, don't really live that healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. The um, Next up, Ivan T. Sanderson. Uh, a naturalist, cryptozoologist, and animal expert who appeared on various television programs. Sanderson served as Keel's main consultant on the natural history behind the reports of Mothman. A well-known writer at the time of the Mothman sightings, he also the director of the New Jersey-based Society of Investigation of the Unexplained. Sanderson, 62, died on February 9th, 1973, of uh, rapidly spreading cancer. 
you know, that kind of goes in with her deal that rapidly, rapidly taking you sickness. You know what I mean? Um, you know, who's to say that that's not, that, that could be, that could be anything from people, humans trying to shut her up to what do you, what's your take on an actual Mothman himself coming and maybe the aura of him being around the bad energy could bring on a cancerous thing. What's your take on something like that, right? Uh, I think that's possible. Um, again, the cancer, the chemicals, the uh, whatever they're doing to investigate can have an impact on the body. Uh, rapidly spreading cancer, a lot of different things can cause that. That's kind of that one's kind of wide open. It can go either way. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, next up, we have Gray Barker. Besides John Keel, no other investigator was on the scene with the Mothman sightings as often during 1966 and 1967 as the West Virginian Gray Barker. Um, the theatrical film booker based in Clarksburg, West Virginia, Barker became interested in the UFOs in 1952. In 1956, he wrote, They knew too much about flying saucers dealing with the men in black. In 1966, uh, when he was investigating Mothman near Point Pleasant, Barker allegedly found a note on his door with the message, Abandon your research or you will regret it. Uh, You have been warned. Barker was 59 when he died on December 6, 1984, after a long series of illnesses in Charlestown, West Virginia Hospital. You know, more illness, man. Anyone you question, got to question yourself: Is are these dudes getting? Is this like uh, when you when you're dreary, when your future and everything around you looks dreary, it can bring in sickness, as well as they could put sickness in you to shut you up, as well as the Mothman thing. If that was a real entity, I feel like, I feel like the Mothman ain't gonna just love from afar and send you know Christmas cards to these people that talk about him. He's probably gonna be stay in stay in touch with them so to speak follow them around kind of know if they move somewhere kind of know where they're at watch them um i feel like they probably have a weird you know when they when they say people say that if you shake somebody's hand you guys are forever imprinted with each other you know your 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 energies are always linked so in the same sense of some few people knowing about this entity and then them actually making eye contact i think there might be something drawing them together forever maybe that eye contact was a draining energy that they, their energy was being drained by this Mothman thing from afar, maybe because, you know, because of the, the specialness and the uniqueness of the situation. And with the draining of the energy, their, their bodies were unable to maybe fight off certain sickness. You never know. Um, next up, we have Donald North. Donald I. North, a Point Pleasant native who saw Mothman in the TNT plant area in the 1990s, died in an automobile crash in 1997. Um, That's possible, you know, things like that, very common thing. Um, You know, if you were to see something weird like that and, and and spill the beans and nobody believed you, that might cause you to have partake in drinks or something. Um, he could, the drinks could have, could have been involved with this accident. I don't know for sure. Could have been anything. He could have, he could have been driving down the street at night and all of a sudden there was a Mothman on his car in the windshield and he drove off the road. You never know these things, you know what I mean? But 
you know, automobile crashes, that could also be something wrong with the car. Something could have happened to the car. Somebody could have, you know, tried to be a good guy and go cut your brakes for you or something. You know what I mean? Do something that, uh, you know, is going to cause a ruckus within your automobile while you need it the most traveling down that, that narrow highway road at, you know, 70 miles an hour with fire on one side and broken glass on the other. And you got to make a kickboxer decision. You going into the fire or you going into the glass, buddy, but you ain't going down the road the way you were going five seconds ago. So the choices have to be made. Next up, we have Jim Keith, conspiracy author. Keith, 50, died mysteriously on September 7th, 1999. Um, only a few days before 9-11. No, 9-11 was 2001. 99 was Columbine year. Um, During routine knee surgery after falling off the stage at the annual Burning Man (laughs) Pagan Arts Festival in Nevada, Keith held on the theory that Point Pleasant was being used as some kind of testing area. So he died during a, he died after a routine knee surgery after falling off the stage. Now the Burning Man, everybody goes there and does drugs. That's like a big drug adventure right here. So, um, and some of the conspiracy people kind of like to open up their mind to look for clues, you know, with some drugs I heard. So like this dude almost sounds like he, um, you know, he was partying, you know, knee surgery, uh, very routine knee surgery. It's weird. You, how do you die? How do you die mysteriously from knee surgery? I mean, a blood clot or something, I assume is what got him or an infection, but, um, very weird, very weird knee surgery. You know what I mean? What's your take on that one? Well, if it was a blood clot, they would say blood clot. Blood clot after knee surgery. If they don't have a cause for it, my question is why? Why did he die? Or if there is a cause that's really out there that points a finger at somebody, then they're saying, oh, we don't know why. Mm. Very weird. Um, next up, we have Ron Bonds, the publisher of most of uh, Jim Keith's books. And of John Keel's 1991 reprint of the Mothman Prophecies. Ron Bonds, 48, um, of Illuminate Press. I've heard of this gentleman before. Died under strange circumstances on April 8th of 2001. Apparently the victim of food poisoning contracted at a Mexican restaurant in Atlanta. I've, yeah, I've read about this gentleman before. We've talked about this gentleman before. Um, yeah. He got that weird bacteria, the food poisoning. Yep, that was a weird thing, too. Um, I think we talked about this before and joked about how, you know, a Mexican restaurant, you know, it might not have been the cleanliest in good old uh, good old 2001, you know what I mean? Things were a little wild, you know. Things, America was wild. It was a whole different time, you know. Things were balls to the wall. This was before anybody gave a fuck if you were offended. This was just – this was – this was like full steam ahead, America, you know what I mean, type deal. Um, you don't worry, you don't wash your hands. You wash, you eat, you eat your food with the shit on your hands. That's that's fucking salt and pepper. Those germs are salt and pepper. You know what I mean? Um, whole different time. Um, he he learned the hard way that those germs can be salt and pepper. Um, but um, you know what they say. So we already talked about him before. We won't really go too deep into that. I think we've talked about him on numerous occasions. But next up, Robin Cheney Pilkington uh, on October 24th, 2001. Marcelina Bennett, who was an uh, eyewitness to Mothman on November 16th, 1966, 
lost her daughter, Robin Pilkington, 44, to a long illness. Robin's death would signal the start of a wave of witness-related deaths during the time surrounding the motion picture release of the Mothman Prophecies. Now, that brings up an interesting thing. Do you think that with the energy of a movie coming out, do you think that that movie had anything to do with these people starting to pop up missing and uh, are dying? What's your take on something like that? I don't know about the energy of a movie. Um, it sounds more like the... Uh, By the energy people... of the m- movie, I mean like the energy given to the subject matter, not so much like the movie itself. The praise. Well, to, to me, it sounds like each time it took a step up, and went more public or got yeah. thrown back in the public eye. A bunch of people who were associated who had seen it or researched it that might be able to validate some of it suddenly start dying off. Yeah. And to me, it lends more to, if you want to call it the conspiracy thing, that whether it be government or whomever, trying to get rid of the people that can say, yeah, I saw it. Or, yeah, I researched it. And they all start disappearing, and it seems like each time they're going to take take it up a level, republish a book, or put a movie out, then you have a whole new series of deaths. And I'm very suspicious of that. I feel like, but in, in the sense of a movie, I feel like Hollywood, you know, Hall, everything's on a schedule. Any, and, and I and I do feel that the government people have their do have their hand in Hollywood a little bit because there's so much influence there. Um, and with that being said, I do feel like from the beginning, they would ixnay that. A government person would say, if they really, if they were going to go to the point of killing off people that talked about it, I think that they would just go to those producers and be like, do you really want what could happen to happen if you make these movies? I don't think it's a good idea. All you need is a government person to talk to a Hollywood producer and be like, I don't really think it's a good idea. And then if you have one a, a producer that's like, no, it's a good idea, they'll be like, no, we talked to some people. We really think it's a bad idea. And that'd be like the end of it, I think. I think. Um, you know, I know Richard Gere. Richard Gere is a... Is a he, 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 people tried to threaten his life to take them. He said, no, fuck you. I'm making this movie. It's a very important film. Uh, and then he got snubbed for an Academy Award, right? Richard I, Gere. I, I tend to think that uh, it might be a little bit easier... Uh, whether it's introducing toxins, uh, messing with brake lines, uh, a whole variety of different ways. It's a little bit easier to discreetly get away, get away with removing some witnesses and not get caught than right. it is, uh, going after some big shots in Hollywood where it might backfire on you. No, it's true. I mean, do you think what's your take on the, the entity? Like the spiritual entity of, of, of Mothman being the thing that actually is killing these people. Instead of like people trying to shut him up, talking about it. Uh, the spiritual entity, that's a possibility if it doesn't want to be exposed. Dark, uh, darkness likes to hide in darkness. Something that's evil likes to stay in the shadows. Doesn't like to be put out there in the light. So... Yeah. Would it uh, take action against people? Definite possibility, yes. Yeah, it's a weird vibe, you know what I mean? It's definitely... That's where I think my... My... My my, my kind of mind goes more towards... You know, it's either... 
I mean, there's many different places you can go. With I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was people trying to shut them up. I, in the same sense, I wouldn't be surprised if we found out that it was an act, the actual energy of, you know, the contact that they actually made with each other was draining, you know, and stuck with them. I wouldn't be, dis- I wouldn't be like blown away if I heard that. Cause that kind of makes sense too. Um, in the same sense of the third thing going, which is like, you know, going back to that thing of like, the, when the, when they feel like they're living in a world that's pointless and they're trying to say that they believe something and no one's listening to them, I do think your value of your own life goes down a little bit. And I do think that you don't quite take care. You know, you're not getting out there. You're not getting exercise you need. You're probably not eating the right food. You're staying up super late investigating this shit. And then you're investigating it all. It's you're 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 discovering things, and you're like, yeah, awesome. I'm discovering all this shit, but it's bleak because the shit you're discovering is like darkness. You know what I mean? Darkness that nobody else is going to believe is there. So like, I think that weighs heavy physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. You know, everything. I think that really weighs in heavy. I don't think people under understand the draining aspect of the whole thing you know what i mean even when we do like when we do our behold appeal podcast episode uh show which is also on this network me and ray are a part of talks more about you know conspiracy truth or stuff every now and then an episode it will be so fucking dark that it actually will bring down it almost puts a little damper you know what i mean because the, the real life shit's so dark out there that when you're investigating researching for like themes you know, it gets. You, I can understand if someone was to put twenty years of their life focusing on darkness, that that's eventually going to fuck them up. Like in the long run, you know what I mean? Like whether they wanted to or not, that's going to eventually affect their physical and mental state. Um, that's just kind of the way it is. With that. You know, would you agree? You agree, right? Right? You agree? Uh, I agree. You spend too much time exploring the darkness; it drags you down, and yeah, you're not going to do everything you need to do to stay uh, physically fit, mentally sharp. Uh, aligned with light it's 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 gonna you know you that old saying about look into the darkness be careful because the darkness looks back yeah and it gets once it gets a hold of you then it's gonna take you sure it's true it's true i mean you gotta be you gotta know you know that's why we always talk about the prayers on this show you know what i mean and protecting yourself because if you're gonna dive into that darkness you gotta know how to protect yourself from it because at the end of the day, it is darkness. The fact that you're going in there to shed light in it, that's good for you. Pat on your back. But the darkness don't give a fuck about that. It still wants to engulf you in the darkness. So just because you're going in there with good intentions doesn't mean that it has good intentions for you type deal. Um, Charles Mallette. As the movie on Kiel's book begins screening on January 25th, 2002, the original witness to the Mallettes were attending a funeral in Point Pleasant, uh, Stephen, Stephen Mallette, one of the first four witnesses of Mothman, was mourning the passing of his brother, Charlie, due to a brain tumor. I think that's just kind of a weird coincidence. You know what I mean? Because now you're making the, this vindictive. Now you're making it. They're not killing the people. They're going after their family. Which, at the end of the day, this dude didn't even go to the premiere. He's, just, he's an awake. You know what I mean? Poor guy. None of these people that are none of these people that blew the whistle are getting anything from this movie. Like all these people that are dying because the movie's coming out aren't getting fucking penny, half a penny from this movie or any recognition. But they're dying, so that's why I think it's weird. I think you know what I mean. That I find that weird that they you know they think that 
people started popping off because of the movie coming out. And if you want to, you want to subscribe to that thought, I would have to say it's an energy thing more so than the government or some men in black type situation, ixnaying people out. Um, Gary Uri, um, on February 15, 2002, soon after the town was bustling with Mothman promotions and attention, one of the Point Pleasant uh, Planters better known Mothman eyewitnesses, Tom Uri, suddenly lost his 52-year-old brother, Gary. So this is another one of someone's brother dying. And it's funny for all these people that are caught up in it and go, oh, I don't want to talk about it because bad things happen to me. They make a mockery of everything and they do, they do festivals and they set parades and they celebrate the Mothman situation like to this day. Um, so maybe they should stop doing that if they're really worried about, you know what I mean, this bad energy and stuff, uh, people dying off. Um, Ted Tenenbaum, Tenenbaum 68, the executive producer of the Mothman Prophecies, died of cancer on March 7, 2002 in Chicago. You know... People die of cancer every second, you know what I mean? And it's tragic and unfortunate, but it is what it is, you know. Um, 68, you know, being a 68-year-old movie producer from a time where people inhaled more cigarettes than oxygen, you know, drugs and drinking was more like of a get-you-through-the-day, get-you-through-a-long-shoot-day type set thing. Um, one of the, you know, it's weird times, you know what I mean? So that lifestyle that they lived... There's a lot of stress producing, especially a big money films like that. Um, I think that's just more his lifestyle. You know, 68, almost 70 years old. I mean, that's still young, but like it's better than 22. You know what I mean? Or better than 30. I want to say better, but like, you know what I mean? Like when you got these people dropping off at like 42 years old from something that takes them in two seconds, you know what I mean? That's, I think that's a little more unexplainable than, you know, this. Oh, rest in peace to all of them, of course. But what's your take, Greg? No, that that sounds like a more like a lifestyle caught up to the person. Yeah, you know they say, unfortunately, they say that everybody's born with disease in them. Um, it, it, it just some some people it grows quicker, and that's when they get things like the cancer. That's what I hear. I don't know. Um, next up, Aaron Resbamen. Aaron Stephen Resbamen, 14, see this sounds sad, the son of a well-known cryptozoologist artist, William Rabazamin, died by suicide on May 23rd, 2002, in his Fort Smith, Arkansas home. William Rasbaum did the cover art for Lauren Coleman's Mothman and Other Curious Encounters. Um, with that one, I really can't. I mean, yeah, I guess it's linked, but I wouldn't link it. You know what I mean? I think that's probably just, a, uh, unfortunately, a teenage kid that was sad. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'll go out and speculate and say that his dad did something that we would all think was cool, but uh, society probably wouldn't look on as something cool. Um, it, he, he's not making good money doing it either, so I'm sure the family probably... If the father, if the if the main breadwinner was kind of a struggling writer, um, it might not have been the best home life, um, you know. And if his dad was kind of like, if his dad was a super artistic dude, that he the kid might have been a, a free spirited kid. And I know free free spirited kids do have a tough time in high school because 
they're free spirited, you know what I mean? They're trying to do outside the box things and that's not quite accepted in school and high school and such in society sometimes. So things can be a little harder for kids when they're outside of the box and they want to be more different, but the, the society don't want them to be different or society wants to be different, but is afraid to be different. So they hate on the people that are different type deal. I think it's more of a situation like that, unfortunately. Um, what do you think, Greg? Well, you take the child as someone who's famous, uh, having to do about Mothman, then, yeah, if they're in a particular culture, wherever they're living, that town or that neighborhood where um, people are constantly uh, putting them or their parents down, I mean, life becomes a whole downer. That's a good point, too. And uh, that constant criticism. And, you know, you can turn around and the parents can be saying, oh, yeah, brush it off or don't pay attention or who cares the kid developing will care because that's, that's his culture. And that's those people, his friends and the people, his age, they're the ones that uh, he lives with, that he bonds with and he loses all that. He loses everything. It's um, yeah. You know, and who's to say, I don't know the father. He might not, he might, he could have been the best dad, might not have been the best dad. You know what I mean? I do know that not every artist, but artists are a little, can get a little selfish with their time sometimes. So I all, you know, you know, you, you know how you don't know what the relationship was there. Maybe that kid didn't really, maybe he didn't really feel like he had anybody, but we're not going to get, I already feel bad about saying that. So we're going to move into the next thing. All right. Um, next up, Susan Wilcox, Susan J. Minga Wilcox, 53 of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, died of an extremely rare form of brain tumor, uh, ependymoma, on December 8th, 2002. Wilcox reportedly saw a black bat-like bedroom invader in her home in February of 2002 and went on to become the Mothman, a Mothman investigator. She traveled to the Point Pleasant several times in 2001 and 2002 and created a personal website, Mothman, A Life Changed Forever. Now, rest in peace, I'll say. But I will say, like, with a brain tumor, you know, it's not uncommon to see weird things. You know what I mean? I will say that. You know, and I'm not saying that she didn't see anything. But with the fact she had a brain tumor, when, you know, you get a tumor and it pushes on certain parts of your brain while it's in there. And you, you can hallucinate. You can see things that are there, you know, which is the same thing as hallucinating. But you can, you know, you could just walk, you could walk into traffic and act think like you're walking on the beach. You know what I mean? Like... The brain is very delicate. So I, I just wanted to add that to it. And I don't want to take anything away from, you know, her, her investigations or her speculations and her claims. But I do want to add that to it that, yeah, you know, a brain, you know, when you have brain cancer, it's your brain. So, you know, things that you think is real can be affected. What's your take? I'll agree that's a possibility. The other possibility is that since she saw something and she kept going back to that place, if you're talking about Mothman being an energy, possibly evil, then you're ripe for an attachment. And who knows when she's exposed to it, what that is going to do to her health and her brain, how it functions and how it stays. So she could have contaminated herself in a sense. And yeah, through that tumor, Mothman took her. So do you believe, do you, what's your, do you, we'll get at the end, we'll talk about it. Um, Jessica Kaplan, um, Kaplan, or we know a Chad, we know a, a, a Chad Chaplin, spelt the same way. So I call her Chaplin. 
uh, crew member on the Mothman Prophecies motion picture. Now, I really hope there's no relation to Chad. Uh, died in a plane crash in Fairfax neighborhood of Los Angeles on June 6, 2003. The Los Angeles Times reported that the pilot, Jeffrey T. Siegel, owner of the Santa Monica construction firm, and his niece, Kaplan, Chaplin, 24, were flying to the family's second home in Sun Valley, Idaho. So she was a crew member on the Mothman Prophecies. Doesn't quite go what type of crew she is, so I'm going to guess that she was... In all respect, probably smaller, smaller down the line. You know what I mean? Um, not, not a producer, not a director. You know, not the writer, not anybody that really should be affected by the making of the film. You know what I mean? I think it was probably more. They're just kind of tying, trying to, to pull together. The trying, we'll say. They're really trying for this one. I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're overreaching. Oh, here's a weird crash. Oh, wait a minute. She worked on Mothman. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be something to do with that. Um, I know there was a there was speculation. If you want to go into the Mothman curse, you know I think uh, Richard Gere. There was a there, you know there was talk of Richard Gere and gerbils. Um, pearly speculation from years ago, and that uh, I think that was before the Mothman prophecy. That was the gerbil man prophecy. That was that was a sad day for Mister Gear. Um, but yeah, I think that's really. Yeah, I think that they're just pulling. They're just really trying to pull that together. Like I said, if it was a the director, the like the producer, even the producer, I can't because that other produ- executive producer passed, and I wouldn't even put that on there. If they died making the movie, that's one thing. All right, every movie people get into, there's there's some type of energy somewhere that could be negative. You know what I mean? It's just there. Uh, it's how you mold it. But um, so like any film could actually carry on like anything, you know. But uh, so I think that's worth that. But like I said, as a, you know, if someone's killed, if if she was killed while making the film, yeah, or died while making the film, yeah, I could maybe tie that into the curse of it. But after the fact, it's different. I feel. Um, Alan Bates, British actor, Sir Alan Bates, sixty nine, died the night of December twenty seventh, two thousand three, at a hospital in London after a long battle with cancer. Bates played Alexander Leek. In the Mothman prophecies, Leek was Keel spelled backward. I can enjoy that and appreciate. I can appreciate that one a little bit more. You know what I mean? I can make that one tie. That one's a little easier to tie in my mind because I feel like that Keel character they would have hatred for the dude who wrote the like those dude that wrote the wrote the books. Those two guys. Maybe they, I think there was a lady in there too. If they if they died mysteriously, I'd say okay. Like if it was around the time of the book, because at the end of the day, once the book's done, you can stop the person. You can never stop their work. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with movies and, and podcasts. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I guess you could, but for the most part, once it's said, it's said. It's out there, especially nowadays with the way everything can just get shared and copied and pasted and all that. You know, you gotta. Unfortunately, you gotta cut the head off the dragon if you want to stop the body. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, the dragon's more than just the, the speaker. The speaker is just the vessel. Uh, he puts it out there and then, then he, his purpose is done anyway. So to kill him after is kind of pointless. Um, but Alan Bates, an actor being killed off. I don't know. I mean, still it's cancer. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the, the biggest burden, one of the biggest burdens, the biggest diseases going, biggest murder is. Um, 
we got Jennifer Barrett Pellington, last our last uh, addition to the death list for Mothman on August 3rd. So hopefully we'll cross our fingers. This one actually makes more sense than some of the other ones. Rest in peace. On August 3rd, 2004, Jennifer Barrett Pellington. Pellington, I believe, was a... No, not Pil- Pilkington was before the, the younger girl. Um, Pellington, uh, 42, the wife of Mothman Prophecies director Mark Pellington, died in Los Angeles of an ongoing illness. Her husband had included a special thanks credit to his wife for her support on that film. Um, that's not a special thanks on the film is like the least credit you can get on any type of film. So I don't know why that they're really pulling on that one. You, you know, catering is a more important credit, you know what I mean? Than special effects on a film PA credits are more important than special effects credits on films. Special thanks is just pretty much, you really had nothing to do with this film, but thanks for being you. That's pretty much a special thanks. Um, so I don't think that's special. And if that did get her, she needs to get some union backing because that's the worst fucking treatment I've ever heard. You catch a terrible credit and get killed over it, that's the worst. That's horrendous. So, you know, with that being said, Ray, you know, what, what, what's your take? What's your take on this whole Mothman thing? Uh, the Mothman being a real entity is a possibility. I'll leave that open. Um, what it has become a whole culture built around it, a town that celebrates it, the movies and, and stuff, that kind of obscures what it may be. Yeah. That kind of pushes it in the background and makes it kind of in a pop culture thing that everybody says, no, it can't be, can't be. Was there something there that uh, scared, seriously scared some people? Yes. Do I think it was a crane or an owl? No. I think it could have been an entity. Um, it's in an area where whether it is toxic mutations or government experiments or just because of all of that, there could have been a doorway that was opened and something came through. Yeah. But I believe that there was something there. Will we ever know exactly what it is? I doubt it. And that's because of what's been made of it in the culture, whether it is the books, the movies, it's now a tourist attraction. Um, it's one which, uh, well, as far as the tourist attraction goes, I, doubt if they'd allow it but i'd love to get down there and explore myself they probably do they're very open they're like i said they do festivals and stuff and i'll pop into that real quick because i do i want this goes into my part of it uh, a little bit of like the energy i know you feel this way too that if it is if this is an energy or an entity them doing these festivals and stuff is like worshiping it which is making it strong you know what i mean but the, the, oh i agree yeah I'm going to dip in a little bit. Point Pleasant held its first annual Mothman Festival in 2002. The Mothman Festival began after brainstorming creative ways for people to visit Point Pleasant. So, like, for the love of money, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, They're they're serving their, their town up on a platter. The group organizing the event shows the Mothman to be the center of the festival due to its uniqueness uh, and as a way to celebrate its local legacy in the town. Why do you celebrate something that fucking kills like like that 46 people on a bridge and like all this shit? Like what positive thing came out of the Mothman to celebrate? I don't understand that. Um, 
According to an event organizer, Jeff Wamsley, the average attendance for the Mothman is uh, an estimated 10 to 12,000 people per year. And a 12 foot tall metallic statue of the creature, which sounds like Baphomet, dude, like the devil worship shit, created by an artist and sculptor, Rob Roach, was unveiled in 2003. The Mothman Museum and Research Center opened in 2005. The festival is held on the third weekend of every September, hosting guest speakers, vendor exhibits, pancake eating contests, hayride tours, locally notable areas. You know, the third weekend of every September, September being the ninth month, there's a lot of threes in there. This sounds like a fucking satanic ritual, Ray. What do you take from this? I was noticing, I was paying attention to the dates and I was adding some some of the dates up and, uh, if you were talking about uh, adding both the years, the, the day, the month, yeah, lots of multiples of three and of nine kept on showing up in there. Yeah. And I'd be curious, well, it would change a little bit being the third one, uh, the third week in September. But September, yeah, ninth month, that would pretty, be pretty good. So let's say you take this year, nine, two, eleven. 13, 1, 14. Yeah, that will, uh, wanna, yeah, five. That would be a five if you take the September in the year, put it together. I'd be curious what date shows up on. But yeah, numerology obviously, uh, seems to play a lot into it with the death dates as well as, uh, when they're holding it. You know, 12. They got 12. When, when they said estimated 10 to 12,000. And then a 12-foot-tall thing, you know, 12, that can easily be broken to threes and sixes, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I get a weird vibe, and it's like they're, they're embracing the darkness of their, of, their, of their town, you know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like um, Wicker Man-like in a way, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like hey, you know, may they feel, and they're doing it for money. At the end of the day, they're doing it for the almighty dollar, you know what I mean? So, like, that's some really dark stuff going down over there. But I, I'm with you, I think. I think it's a, the, the, the Mothman, I think, is an energy. I think it's a, maybe it was something. Maybe it could have been something crypto scene. You know, it could have, been, could have been something crypto. It could have been something the government was making that got released. You know what I mean? And it could have just been something that was folklore that caught energy. And we often talk on the show is even if there's something that's not real, even like, a, you know, human mind um, conjurings a couple episodes ago. You know, you believe things enough, it'll be, it, you can make it real. You know what I mean? I almost feel like the Mothman is one of those situations. Well, ten to 12,000 people gathering, a good chunk of them believing it's real. Right. Not just there for the pancake eating contest. Yeah. Uh, people, they're they're uh, lending a lot of energy to it and uh, keeping it going, feeding it. You know, whenever I see eat, eating contests is gluttonous, which is a sin. You ever think about that? Yep. Stuffing your face to 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 make to, until you get sick is like horrible for your body. You know what I mean? Like when you think about it, it's all negative stuff. Um, you know, you choke and die on your pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. Shout out Eli Ross. I hope you're listening to the show, bug. Um, but yeah, weird. Um, in June of 2020. A petition was started to replace all Confederate statues in the United States with statues of Mothman. As of March of 2021, the petition has garnered nearly 5,000 signatures. This is a fucked up thing, Ray. This is weird. I like that rug. 
the um, this is like a slow takeover where they're now yeah they're they're they're, they're banging out the Confederate flag and the evilness that that kind of stands for. Which I know a lot of Southern people that say it don't stand for evil, you know, and they they hold it it, it means something different to them, you know what I mean? Um, but I can definitely understand that you know Confederate statues being a sign of older times that make people uncomfortable. So they do kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, throw Ronald McDonald makeup on it and make everybody happy. You know what I mean? That's why you just do that. I say, but, um, you know, making Mothman statues is like horrifying. You know what I mean? And when you think, you know, the Baphomet statue of the devil there, whatever that is with the, with the, yep. the goat horn, like, that's what I almost feel like. That's the, what I'm thinking when I'm thinking of this Mothman thing with the fin on the insect, like bird, like almost has that vibe to it. Well, if you take this energy and let's say it is negative over a period of time, it is, it has fed off the people and it's growing and created its own following and cult. And right. Many of the people are unaware uh, what they're actually dealing with. Right. So it just grows stronger and stronger. Uh, and as long as the people are lining their pockets, they don't care what's happening or who they're giving their soul to, so to speak. It's just a bunch of like 17 year old girls that watch like American ghost story, American, whatever that TV, chief American haunted story, whatever that show is on TV and watch like supernatural. And they go, this stuff's my, my ghouls are handsome. I want a handsome ghoul. And they try and like give energy to things thinking that, you know, not understanding what they're dealing with. That, I think that's what this is. Uh, this is almost Ouija board territory. Uh, how can we do an episode without bringing up Ouija board? Um, but they're trying to normalize something that probably shouldn't be normalized. And I think that in their head, they're thinking it's fun and games and their little mascot. They're thinking all oh, little cartoon fucking moth, little cute face moth. You know what I mean? But what pe- the, that energy getting put into this is what they're not. They don't, they don't think about that shit, but they're thinking more about money. Money is big right off the bat. They were like money. Yes. We're going to, we're going to celebrate how, you know, 46 people or 64 people died because because a bridge fell. Let's celebrate that. That's great. It's like, okay. Where else do they celebrate people dying? Don't answer that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's my take on it. It's a weird thing. The Mothman's a weird vibe. Um, whatever it started as, it definitely evolved into something bigger. Now, is, is whatever started it is still lingering in there, or is it completely took on, on a whole life of its own? That's a different argument. But the Mothman, as far as we're concerned, you know, is there. And uh, it's a real deal thing. Whether we created it or it created itself, it's there. You know what I mean? Uh, you want to say anything in closing on the Mothman, Ray? Uh, right now, I would say that there was something behind it and we're feeding it. We're feeding it, making it grow and we're oblivious to it because we've commercialized it. We're taking money from it and we have no idea what may happen in the future. Yeah. It's craziness. So with that being said, be safe out there. Don't worship the moth man out there. If you guys are out there, don't worship the moth. Don't put no faith in no uh, energy. Put energy in yourself. You know what I mean? Don't put it in negative things. Um, if you like the show, go listen to more. We're, uh, we're, 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 
Cruising, uh, season two, mostly ghostly with Cruising. Do it a lot of good episodes. Check out some episodes you may have missed uh, already in this season, as well as we got 50 episodes from season one. So uh, dive into that. You know what I mean? There's some definitely some fun episodes in there. And uh, check out the Facebook pages for Mostly Ghostly, as well as our production company, Boombastic Media. Um, on the Boombastic Media page, you will find some other podcasts. If you like this one, it's very possible that you might enjoy some of those. Um, and we also have a nice Boombastic Media YouTube page where we have a couple of our shows up there. Um, I think the first batch of Mostly Ghostly episodes ever are up there. You probably have to go find them. But uh, definitely pop on and subscribe to that because Mostly Ghostly is going to be having a new video format special. That's right, a new video format special dropping for you guys in the next probably couple months. So with that being said, go subscribe now and sign up. And if you want to... uh, if you want to, if you feel giving, if you feel it in your heart to give, give a little back to the Boombastic Clan. There's a Boombastic streaming Patreon page that you can check out with a bunch of cool perks uh, if you like those type of things. But don't do too many perks because they're not good for you. All right. Then you got to get, you know, you got to sway off of them and go to rehabilitation and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Talking about numbers. Yes. This, this will be episode, if you take season one and two together, this will be episode 66. Uh-oh. Six and six is 12, one and two is three. Wow, see? Ladies and gentlemen, we're called to do these episodes. Are, they're brought to us by higher powers. They're given to us as a gift and said, this is what you gentlemen need to do the episode on this week. So it's all, there's rhyme and reasons to all of it. You know, thank you for that, Ray. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ray. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll talk to the rest of our congregation, our ghostly congregation. Uh, We'll catch you all next week. Everybody have a good week. Check out those things. And we'll talk to you soon. Beware. Bye. (laughs) 